welcome to season two of On the Outskirts. With me, Sophia Rosemary and Alice Catherine. This week we want to continue with our usual format for series two, which means dedicating the beginning of each episode to a relevant charity each week. As we are now in a new national lockdown, our hearts are obviously with those most vulnerable and those that are struggling for access to basic essentials at this time. With this in mind, we are going to link some amazing family-based charities in the show notes below, so please do check those out, share with those around you and donate if you're able to. These are charities that help aid families in poverty and dedicate their efforts to ensuring children get meals they desperately need, as well as helping to end child poverty overall. show this week how are you what a week it's been the past couple of weeks have just been like a wild ride haven't they um I mean we're recording this on the 11th uh, of November and we've had some some good news since our last podcast recording um we now have the possibility of like a vaccine in sight in the UK um and we have um had the election news obviously Biden's won um so yeah, it feels like we've got a little bit of light to cling on to now, like the clouds are parting a little bit, it seems like. It's been kind of crazy how everyone's reacted to the news, especially of the US elections, um, because I think it really showed um, how deprived we were of good news um, and how it felt very symbolic, didn't it? I think everyone was waiting with bated breath, whether, you know, whether you were American or not, it was a real global thing of everyone just so desperate for some progressive good news. And it's really taken its toll on me without sounding uh, melodramatic. I, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's obviously the second lockdown, um, just the the US election even the news of the vaccine has kind of without sounding a bit odd taken its toll on me you're definitely making sense I think it's sort of that thing where we're inside more and you know in normal life we're all so busy and distracted from the news that we don't get to give everything our full attention and because we've been indoors we have sort of been following a lot of people from different countries have been following the US election and sort of really learning about politics and how things work which I think can only be a positive thing like I've learn more about how it works um which is good like at 28 still learning about politics and stuff but you know it's not always it's not something we get taught much about is it and it is through having conversations and watching things like the US election coverage that you do learn more and become more sort of um emotionally involved in it um but yeah I had a few messages from people saying oh I didn't realize that the US election was such a big deal to you guys in the UK um which which I find quite strange to be honest because Obviously, America's massive. It's hugely influential to a lot of places in the world. And, you know, we had for four years a president who didn't believe in climate change on top of all the other things that are problematic about him. Yeah. It affects the rest of the world. Of course it does. Um, 
you know, it's just, I think as any, any compassionate person wouldn't want America to have a racist, homophobic, sexist, you know, like the list goes on president. Um, Yeah, completely. It's like I just said, it's completely symbolic. It's it's symbolic to um, the Black Lives Matter movement. It's symbolic to women's rights. Um, As you mentioned, to climate change. It was, it was so, there was a lot, there was a lot being held on this election for so many different reasons um and you know I think to say oh it, it doesn't affect you as a, um, a British citizen is maybe a little naive really um it's it's, it's saying that oh we are divided and I think more than ever it's time for like the world to come together as one and be more interested in what's going on in other countries that you know we might turn a blind eye to or or we think maybe oh well it doesn't really affect my daily life I don't need to think about that like it's time more than ever to to be like no like we need to be involved in what's going on in other countries and fight and help fight for the people and spread awareness and and on the flip side of Trump I mean there was the possibility which is now the reality of a woman of colour being Mm -hmm vice president of the United States of America like that is progression like we haven't I'm gonna go as far as to say we've never seen in our generation um you know there's been a lot of things which have happened and a lot of great you know there's been progress but that is like that's historic to a level we'll never have seen before I mean I'm just saying that off the top of my head no yeah I 100% and I think there's this whole thing of people being like, well, you know, don't celebrate too hard because the hard work just begins now. And like Biden's got a lot of shit to sort of prove and undo and, you know, which is 100 percent true. And the bar has been set. You know, it's important for us to say like the bar has been set so incredibly low in terms of like what's acceptable, the acceptable traits to have as a president. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, anyone almost was going to be better than Trump um but it does feel like we have a bit of lightness now it feels like you know the next four years feel more hopeful for America and I think it also gave a lot of people in this country hope that we can have a better leader and a better government at some point in the future um and I think it was just quite symbolic as well I think that's why it's sort of I've got quite emotionally invested I got quite emotional um when he won and watching the coverage and stuff um and the other thing I just wanted to say as well that um, obviously, you know, it's not lost on me that that would have been a very traumatic election um, for the black community and a lot of oppressed communities yeah. because it was so close. And I think to to watch it play out visually like it did on the TV, you know, the blue and the red and to see how many people hold those values because those people still exist within America, don't they, whether Trump won or lost um, there's a, reason, there's a reason he is so successful and that's what's very harrowing that's scary yeah and that's you know it's scary for those communities that live in america and those people still exist and still have the capacity to influence values yeah and influence yeah. politics and that's the scary part but i think you know we do just have to be hopeful with this with this change i think and cling on to that otherwise if we can't be hopeful what do we have it's like especially in the year of 2020 when it's been nothing but we've just been completely it's just been bad news after bad news um if you can't have a little bit of hope and something to celebrate over then there's not a lot left for the year and i agree with you like for me personally i felt really emotionally invested 
especially when you know the news com- came through that Joe Biden had definitely won the election um it was the sense of relief I felt for all of those Americans out there who for the last four years have probably been feeling a, a whole mix of emotions from you know not feeling safe mm. not feeling like you matter not feeling like you're being heard I just it, re- it really it lay very heavy on me and I just felt yeah I almost felt that relief for those people I think more you know, not to be like a downer on it, but it is, it's important to be realistic as well as to celebrate. Um, I think more white women voted for Trump in this election than in the 2016 one, which is obviously scary, a scary statistic to read. And, you know, it, it sort of highlights the point again that there's, there's still so much work to do. Um, just because we have a, a Democrat in the White House doesn't mean that he won't be voted out again in the future and we have to find a way of sort of breaking that pattern you know it needs to be that it's unacceptable for someone like Trump to even be considered like that's the point we need to get to where it's you know I don't know onwards and upwards hopefully and hopefully things will improve over the next few years. If not just for the simple fact that boundaries have been broken um, for me it's so overwhelming that we've gone from having a, a misogynist as the president to mm. you know a woman vice president that is <laughs> that's a big contrast in four years yeah I mean so, with or without whether you um like Biden as like a an individual or whatever and he sort of he th- there's things that feel hopeful when you pick it apart in terms of like you know he did work closely with Barack Obama and like you said the vice president is black like he's got people around him who seem good like good people with good values and they want to help like that is more than Trump had. And I also think, um, you know, someone made a really interesting point is that he is a president that will hopefully lead with more compassion because he lost a son to cancer. Um, you know, he's been through more in his life than Trump has, um, which I think I think is important. It's important for you to have life experience like that's not just from a rich background or you've been yeah. to you've been to a rich school, a private school. Like it's important for you to be you know relatable do you think that's I mean I'm definitely I'm not really I'm not really I'm definitely not a supporter of Boris Johnson um and I'm no bones about the fact that I I voted Labour in our last general election and I think that's how I feel about our current situation and our current prime minister mm. um, how can you understand true poverty when you've only ever been told about it you've never really seen it like I'm not making excuses up for Boris Johnson but you know you can understand maybe why there's a lack of compassion there because he's never seen it and that's not right that can't be who runs our country surely but I think that's a very like um emotionally intelligent way of looking at it is to try and understand why these people who are making these decisions are are the way they are you know to try and understand to, to instead of instead of vilifying someone which is easy to do with politics it's easy to for these people to become like cartoon characters like Trump almost became a cartoon character didn't he which yeah it was, it was a real disconnect from what he was saying and people being like god how can that be real and it was that almost made him feel less dangerous sometimes because it, it was almost like oh he's not real especially when you don't live in America and you're just watching coverage on tv um, Completely. When you watch clips of, of Trump, it's not dissimilar from watching an episode of The Office. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look real. I know. And I think going back to what you just said, it's 
that's the way we need to be thinking now is to try and understand why people make the decisions they make um whether we agree with them or not like that's supposed to be that's supposed to be you know the compassion that's missing from politics isn't it like trying trying to understand each other more rather than shouting each other down and who's it, it needs to be less about who's got the loudest voice and more about like how we move forward and try and understand each other but maybe that's me being a bit idealistic I don't know like (laughs) in my head we're we're gonna I imagine this like utopia which is probably not realistic but like the coca-cola advert from the (laughs) 60s which is like everyone holding up I'm just like I just want to bake a cake out of rainbows and smiles I would never ever want the job of like president or prime minister or any kind of leadership because I just think no one person is perfect, are they? And to Absolutely make not. To, to, to have to make those decisions and people, you know, to have a commentary on everything you're doing. I just can't imagine that stress. But at the same time, you know, there's um, I'd, 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 I'd like to get to a point where I think we're not expecting perfection now. And hopefully that will, you know, we'll see that with Biden now. He's not the perfect president. He's not the perfect candidate, but hopefully he can do some good and hopefully we can sort of support that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a very deep conversation to start things on. <laughs> we're, de- we're not a political podcast uh, by yeah. any stretch. Um, but like, it's so wrapped up in, like we've talked about this before, is politics is so wrapped up in your morals and beliefs like that's all it is really when you bring it down to simple terms isn't it what do you believe about the world how do you believe the world should look and what do you believe people in the world deserve and yeah I think especially this year it's really highlighted the importance of having some sort of political opinion watching what's going on in the news this year or you know in the past couple of years and you're upset by it it's the whole idea that you actually have a voice and you have the chance to change that. Yeah, I think we almost needed to get, I mean, if you look at back in history, like revolutions only really happen or big changes only really happen after a long period of like anger. Like people get angry, they get riled up, that forces them to learn and to read about things and want to make a positive change. And I think that's what we've seen with this election like yeah. a lot of people I saw a lot of like you know celebrities and people that might have not might have not spoken out about politics before were like you know vote every, like please vote like you know even people in the the UK like were encouraging people to vote um in America so yeah I think it's a positive thing but it yeah I've definitely I've had a very I think with 2020 it's a year it's a challenging year and I think the reason it's so challenging is because it's very very up and down or that's how I'm perceiving it (laughs) (laughs) it's just one long road down this last week I've definitely had one of those weeks where you're challenged Mm -hmm. um, and you're feeling just out of sorts to put it lightly and you can't really place what emotion you're feeling and it's I think I found it particularly jarring because I think it's actually receiving forms of good news I've I've definitely feel like a sense of like numbness has creeped in and I don't mean that in some sort of like um melodramatic way I just mean a low level of sort of like numbness that's settled in over the year as some sort of coping mechanism and then when you do get a bit of good news like the election my body had a real emotional response it's like what you just said wow god I forgot what it was like to just not feel nothing (laughs) (laughs) to not feel like oh no not more bad news yeah like it's just it was it was kind of nice and it felt positive and I felt like a huge weight had been 
lifted because I think, you know, regardless of the election, like it did symbolize just something that we all were craving desperately, which was just like a bit of hope and a bit of positivity. And it was nice to see people jumping up and down and celebrating. And yeah, it was just nice. It felt like a bit of normal, didn't it? Well, yeah. More than a bit of normal, but... I think because we're approaching the end of the year as well, it just felt like, oh, like we've got something nice to carry forward. And yeah, I think like, there was so many layers to it. I mean, aside from the election um, and the news, the well, the news this week, the beginning of this week of a vaccine, how did your first week in lockdown take two go? Um, I found this lockdown a lot. <laughs> Big M. <laughs> I've definitely found this lockdown easier and I think that's because it feels you know people are calling it like the cozy lockdown aren't they because it's like feels more natural and that might just be me to be honest I don't know if I've made that up or if I've read that somewhere <laughs> well I'm, I'm, I'm stealing it <laughs> I'm with it it's fine um but yeah it feel I think um I found the first one hard because I was just looking outside of my window and wanting to be outside it was so hot the flat was get so hot in summer and it felt a bit like men, it felt honestly a bit like mental torture at times just because I was so because it all felt new and fresh I was a lot more scared about going outside and I didn't really want to go to the shops more than once a week to get food and it became quite a toxic environment in a lot of ways um especially when you're working in a small space and living there as well. It didn't feel like there was much relief. But I feel like I'm a lot more... I've got into a flow with it. Yeah, like you realise it's not the end of the world necessarily this time round. Um, yeah, I think with the last lockdown, it definitely felt more like the end of the world and like we didn't know what to expect and it was kind of like scrambling around, like trying to figure things out. Whereas this time round, there's obviously that feeling of, I mean, it still kind of feels a little bit, there's that feeling of doom because I think second time round, it feels the pressure's really on because it feels like, how can I survive a second time round again with work or, you know, um, money or whatever, whatever that may be. And I know a lot of families are feeling the, um, feeling the pressure and the heat right now and my heart really goes out to them um and the second lockdown for me is it's just felt it's felt quite bizarre because I completely appreciate why people are starting to feel complacent the second time around I think that's I think that's probably more you've probably hit the nail on the head there a bit I think that's probably more how I feel I, I mean I'm I feel like in some ways I feel more comfortable but it probably is more that I'm just more complacent and I'm just a bit more like well it's kind of become normalised to not be going outside for a couple of days now and, like, you know, don't really... It's kind of just... My flat has almost just become my little hibernation pod. Yeah. Um, Which is 100% not healthy, but it's it's sort of like, you know, at least I'm safe and work hasn't ground to a halt completely this time around because I think, you know, more businesses and brands have sort of... They know the score now and they know what's acceptable and they've sort of... Um, altered their campaigns to fit this like new normal or whatever so that's one positive but yeah I don't think we're going to know the full effects of how it's really um, ingrained itself within um, within us until until a couple of years it's almost like I think a lot of us are going to have sort of PTSD kind of effect from this because there's just been so much to deal with in such a short space of time and so many of us have been dealing with personal issues as well and health issues and 
yeah, so it's a lot, isn't it? But I definitely feel like there's more of a sense of it's okay to just be inside and light a candle and be a bit more um, self-indulgent. And it's that sort of time of year, isn't it? Um, yeah, you've got to go, you've got to go easy on yourself. I think, especially with the second lockdown, because if we if we rewind back to the first lockdown it very much felt like it was a temporary thing mm. it felt like the second half of 2020 would be back to normal and this pandemic would be sorted and we'd have some sort of relief from it and now that we're in the <laughs> second back on on my like past self now and I'm like oh sweet you <laughs> Yeah, we were very, very foolish. We yeah. had idealistic views. I, I was like, I'll be on a beach in July. Like, no problem. Like, get the bikinis in. Like, come off. <laughs> oh, I had a trip booked for the beginning of May that I genuinely believed was still going to happen. What a schmuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like this second lockdown we've, I mean, 2020 has officially been written off and there is some certainty there's some uncertainty over 2021 and I think for that reason it is so important to go easy on yourself because it's I'm feeling that this week as I said I'm feeling I'm feeling the burn and it's challenging sometimes to feel motivated and to feel like a sense of hope even with the prospect of good news and so I kind I kind of get why people aren't fretting as much as they were last lockdown I think when the vaccine got announced, um, I read that um, summer 2021 was trending on Twitter and people being like listing everywhere they're going to go and the festivals and how many nights out they're going to have. And in a way, I'm sort of like, I don't expect things to be normal. I, I, in, you know, just to think of one thing, I don't expect Glastonbury to go ahead next year. I just read my mind. I don't expect festivals to be going ahead. Um Will it feel a bit more normal and will we be able to travel a bit more? Yeah, hopefully. But in terms of like massive groups of people, I don't see that happening for a while. But maybe that's just the way um, this year's panned out and the way it's made us feel a bit pessimistic about that kind of thing. But I think we're still in for a bit of a ride yet, to be honest. Oh, yeah. The, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's just kind of, it's very far away. And I think we have to be real <laughs> about that. And I also think as well on what you were saying about, you know, I, the prospect of Glastonbury happen, happening next year now just doesn't it, to me it doesn't seem it doesn't seem a realistic prospect to happen um but I can't help but feel as well is that just because 2020 has really conditioned us out of um socializing in big groups going to gigs going to theater um have we just got used to 2020 living I was thinking that um in a way for a lot of people the idea of things going back to normal is quite anxiety inducing especially for people like I mean me and you are quite similar in the sense that um we can be quite like we like doing social things but then we both need to be on our own to like recharge and we're not great in like big groups of people per se big groups I tend to get a bit swallowed up in big groups of people and sort of forget who I am and (laughs) what I have to say and I'm just not a natural like I'm not I'm never the loudest one in the group for example um not to say I'm not chatty and I don't like being around people but I'm just yeah it does I, I kind of felt like I'd reached a point before this all happened where I could go to London and I was better at going to events and walking into a room where I didn't really maybe know someone and now I feel like all oh, that has probably gone out the window um 
so god knows what my social skills are going to be like post-pandemic me and you are are very similar in um how we behave in sort of like a social situation i mean i think we're a barrel of laughs i don't think (laughs) i don't think we're boring at all but no i know what you mean like we're not we're not the person to lead the party um and actually funnily enough when the first lockdown happened a lot of my close friends and family kind of made that joke of like oh Sophia will be fine she's kind of made for lockdown living because I can be quite not a recluse that's that's really over dramatic to say but like I do like I'm I'm happy to stay at home but I actually think in some ways it's worse for sort of people who have the same mindset as me and you because I was saying this the other day to my boyfriend I actually feel like it's made me go back further because now I'm just like before like you were saying I felt like I I was really starting to improve you know going to like events and you know being in more sort of like bigger social situations and now I'm gonna have to kind of build that back up again yeah well I think we've both had similar backgrounds haven't we like um like our sort of family situations were very similar and we were both brought up in sort of small little villages or towns whatever and it's like London it might seem silly to other people that like live in London and that know London but you know going to London and working in London it's like a big overwhelming thing when you first go and it's quite like an overload of the senses isn't it um especially when you're there to work and not just it's it's so different like we always say this when we go there for fun we really enjoy it but we forget what that's like when you go there for work or you've got to be there at this time and you're like god even just getting from one side to the other is difficult and you know timing that with the public transport and it's quite a big overwhelming um place even in comparison to Manchester like let alone where we grew up so it's sensory overload especially when like I mean I can only speak from uh my experiences and your experiences uh, because we do the same same job um but when we go for work it's even it's double sensory overload because you're in these sort of networking situations where you feel like you're not part of that London bubble I mean hence why this podcast even (laughs) started um and so you're dealing with that feeling of isolation whilst also trying to still maintain a level of being social being friendly being open to meeting new people supposed to be switched on as well aren't you people expect you in those situations to be switched on and I think people who do PR and like work in London are much better at that and they're on the ball and I'm just the type of person that like if someone asks me a quick fire question I'll just be like (laughs) yeah just help (laughs) I'm just not good at being put on the spot I'm very much just like away with the fairies most of the time I think have we just sold lockdown to ourselves (laughs) (laughs) we got even a full circle where we're like so yeah we're gonna stay in lockdown (laughs) (laughs) this is it now this is life we'll just communicate via this podcast and what else do we need (laughs) but yeah I just think there's a lot there's a lot to think about isn't there there's a lot to digest for everyone at the minute um Christmas who knows what will happen there I've seen Christmas trees being put up um around my area and I love how you're talking that as if you're like a news reporter. I have seen Christmas <laughs> trees going up in my area. <laughs> I can report the first sighting of fairy life. <laughs> An inflatable <laughs> snowman is yet to be seen, but <laughs> at 9 p.m. approximately on the 11th of November. Um, and you know what? 
I get, but I get it. My my motto for this new, my mantra for the new lockdown is you do you, just oh, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't, the thing is with me, Christmas very closely coincides with eating too much and becoming a sloth. So I need to put that off for as long as possible because I'm already doing most of those things. So I, I've said to myself like, mm, you know, first week of December, I'd like to dig the tree out, but I'm, I'm still just thinking sometimes on a, on a quiet afternoon I could just get it out of the cupboard like we've just got a, a fake one it's a job this job <laughs> that was really making me laugh because I had visions of you on the first day of lockdown just looking into a mirror having this conversation with yourself and not not dissimilar from Eminem in eight mile like you've got one shot out but it'd just be more like thou will not put the Christmas decorations up until December <laughs> Like having this internal argument with yourself, like, come on, Alice, we can wait a few more weeks. It's such a thing, though, isn't it? Like with Christmas decorations, people get really judgy as well. Like they're like, oh, they've got their decorations. Like in, there's people in my village that used to put them up like end of October, and then they'd keep them up for like, I've 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 seen fairy lights in February. Put it that way, like. (laughs) Wait, is that from? Is that from the previous Christmas or is that from the previous Christmas? Yeah, like my mum's always been really like my mum does it like swears by is it the 12 days of Christmas where she's like, no, you're supposed to keep it up till this date and this date. And she does it like exactly. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with your mum on that one. I was it was really because it was really traumatic. Again, far too melodramatic. Last Christmas, our Christmas tree, we got a real one for the first time. Mm. Um. And it was like, it was just a trooper. So we're, uh, we stuck to the 12 days of Christmas, <laughs> strictly. And on the day we were supposed to take we take it down, it was still full of life. And the needles hadn't dropped or anything. And honestly, I can't express the upset I felt at having to hack away at this this Christmas tree that could have easily stayed up for another month. That's really There's more problems. <laughs> Well, I was, I was really, because we've always had a real one and my mum always gets a real one. It's like the one thing she's like, no, I have a real Christmas tree. Um, and then of course, by like, of course, by like New Year's Eve, it's like really wilted and sad. And there's, you're picking pine needles out of your porridge. <laughs> just <laughs> um, But the smell of it is gorgeous. But we were just like, we can't, we can't get a real one up here. Um, we're on like the third floor in an apartment building um and it just seemed like a lot of it seemed like I mean where do you get a Christmas tree from in a city centre there were small ones but there wasn't you know like big nice ones so we got a little fake one and I'm quite pleasantly surprised with it and in my head I'm like well you know at least it's more sustainable because even though it's made of plastic I'm using it every year and not chopping down a tree um so yeah enjoy your real tree (laughs) (laughs) you schmuck (laughs) Um, you could totally have a real tree in yours. I don't think you could have a big one, though. I think, yeah, you would have to go for one of the small ones. One of those small ones you put on a table. It's not, it's, yeah, it doesn't seem... It's just not, it's got to be a certain size, hasn't it? Like, it, you know, those really sad ones that you see sometimes that people get and they've got two branches on and they've just hung two little things on. And I think if I'm going to have a Christmas tree, I want it to be a decent-sized Christmas tree. How have we started talking about Christmas trees? No, I don't know what, why we're doing this um, Right, I'm going to change the subject because... Let's like, talk about have... TV and things we've been watching. Yes, we've not done that, yeah. and that other people can engage with and not be like, oh, I think Sophia and Alice may have lost the plot. Yeah. Um, 
too early to be thinking about Christmas. Although, you know, the motto is this year, isn't it? Shop smaller, be organised. Like, so in a way, I think it is on our minds because because of that and the fact that we sort of work in an industry that is full steam ahead. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, let's not forget my very famous um, Christmas tree spotting earlier this week. <laughs> my newsworthy. Um, what have you been watching? Um, I've not, I feel like I've not watched much other than I started watching The Undoing, which I think you've been watching as well. I should just introduce what it is. For those that haven't heard of it, it's a new drama on Sky, is it? Yeah, and you can watch it on Now TV as well. Yeah, and it's got um, Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman in it. And it's... The so- makers of... Big Little Lies. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and it's a like crime drama thriller. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away because the plot is quite it's quite simplistic so far. So if I say that, I'm sort of going to ruin what happens in the first few episodes. But um, yeah, it's quite dark. It's nice to see. Um, I just love Hugh Grant. He's just like a national treasure to me. Um, and it's nice to see that he's had some like darker roles recently. Like I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this new like phase of his career. Um, I also love the fact that Nicole Kidman's gone back to like her 90s. Um, oh, God. What's the Kubrick film that she's in? Oh, Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. She's gone back to that sort of like whimsical, big, curly red hair that I feel like... That hair is sensational. Sensational, yeah. And it suits her. Like, she looks like herself when she wears her hair like that. I think I really like it. Um, Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's quite dark, isn't it? Um, And Uh, it sort of grips you enough to want to watch the next one. Gripping's definitely the word for it. So we've had three... We're three episodes in now, aren't we? So Mm -hmm. the the first two, I was on absolute tenterhooks, like... (gasps) It was just like with each scene, there was some sort of like new revelation, and also you were sort of you were sort of dealing with Nicole Kidman's character's confusion alongside her. Like you were like, "What the hell is going on?" This third episode has not—it's kind of slowed down a bit, hasn't it? But it—it's definitely gripping. Um, it's like a whodunit, isn't it? And it's sort of centered around um, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. Um, play a married couple and it's sort of centered around some drama that happens like unfolds um in their life and they're quite like a is it, would you say they're middle class or upper class they're definitely a rich class, aren't they? um but yeah it's very good I just I, I'm sort of a bit of a I've become a bit of a brat I don't like waiting a week for an episode and I don't know if that's that's because we're consuming so much information now that we're at home that by the time the new one is out I feel like I forgot forgotten what's happened in the last one a hundred percent I think now we watch tv um with the views to get invested in something straight away mm-hmm. and it's like it needs to keep rolling and you have to get fully immersed in it and this is no, by uh, no doubt it, it was the type of series which we, if we were able to watch in one go I'd have like devoured in two days um it's interesting, um, isn't it? Like the the rise of um, binge watching culture. Like I wonder what that says about our society. The fact that like that's such a thing now. And I guess it sort of would have started with like box sets when they became available. Um, but it used to be called like you know you do like a marathon of something, and now it's like binge watching is really sort of a thing, and it's almost like a a guilty thing that there's a lot of shame attached to it you're like oh I I actually binge watched that in like two days and the time gets lower and lower for people (laughs) yeah uh, I think the last Stranger Things I watched in a day which is just like not cool no one should have that much time on their hands but no it's it's true isn't it it's like 
I know um, my boyfriend's sister, she is, her and her boyfriend watched the first episode of The Undoing, and then she was saying, no, I'm just going to wait till it's all out now, because I can't be dealing with this waiting each week, and I think a lot of people are like that, I think having weekly installments is, just feels very retro, it feels very 90s. (laughs) Yeah, it does, Um, but it's kind of nice, because I feel like, oh, at least it's like one thing that's guaranteed to watch. For the next few weeks other than that what what did i watch um yeah i watched the trial of the chicago seven which is a netflix drama with an amazing cast and it's got um a lot of strong male actors in it um joseph gordon levitt eddie redmayne sasha barra cohen's in it and it's about activists during the um vietnam war era that were um put on trial for causing riots and um, that turned violent yeah, um, basically in the wrong place at the wrong time, weren't they? They were like activists. Yeah, and not violent people and not nasty people from what, I mean, obviously this is dramatised, but um, they all come across as like well-rounded, like nice people that just want, you know, a revolution and want change and want more peaceful, you know, less violent conflict in the world. But um, all from different areas, weren't they? So they yeah. all had different motives to why they wanted the Vietnam War to be over. Yeah, they've like the Black Panthers feature in it, and then um, Eddie Redmayne's character plays someone who you typically associate with politics, like someone who's sort of like well-read and come across comes across as quite a polite and sort of like inoffensive. And then the Black Panthers feature in it, and Sasha Baron Cohen and, um, plays more of like a hippie character with like big hair and um, has all the funny one-liners and. But yet they all want the same, they all have the same end goal, but they just become like um, sort of like lead figures in the movement. Um, And then it just it just sort of is very dialogue heavy. I will say that like you need to be in the right frame of mind to watch it and to sit down and concentrate because it's a lot of um, a lot of most of it is set in a courtroom. Yeah. Um, But just the way it was dealt with was just crazy for lack of a more um, inventive word. (laughs) Yeah, it's very information overload. And I think because you posted about it yesterday on Instagram, didn't you, saying that you'd watched it? And I messaged you saying um, I gave up on it because uh, I basically wasn't expecting to have to concentrate so heavily. And I think um, I I don't know anything about the Chicago 7. I I had no idea what to expect from it. Um, And I could tell it was good. But you know when you're just not in the the right mindset because it is, it's a lot of information to take in. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's very, it's very clever and it's really well done. But it is dialogue heavy for sure. 100%. But it's it's worth sticking out if you can um, because it's got a very powerful ending. And then like me and Sam were sort of like Googling stuff afterwards and there's loads of stuff like loads of interesting stuff to read about it but yeah I love that though I love when you watch something and it's not always necessarily a documentary but it kind of gets you in this rabbit hole of trying to find more material on it I always think that's the sign of a really a really good um film based on fact anything you've been watching aside from the undoing or do you know what, like, there's nothing that's really... I've been watching a lot of Bake Off because I need the escapism, um, which I think everyone in the country is doing. Um, but do you know what I did watch by accident? The other, Not by accident. I'd always wanted to watch it, and I had um, a couple of hours free, um, so I kind of gave it the time it deserved. Have you watched Disclosure, the documentary on the transgender community on Netflix? I don't think I have, no. It's honestly so incredible and so insightful and I couldn't recommend it enough. It's basically about um, Hollywood and the media 
and TV's depiction of the transgender and tra the transgender community throughout history, like it goes back to sort of the early 1900s um, and how that's had such a huge um, effect on culture and society and the way um, culture and society views the transgender community. And honestly, it is, I can't recommend it enough. It was just so... Um, so well put together, so clear, so insightful, and just a really eye-opening and educative watch, which is, I thought would be a nice one to mention as well, because we've actually not mentioned a documentary um, in a while, because I don't think, there's not really been that many out at the minute. Um, no, I feel like Netflix has run a, gone a little bit dry almost. I mean, there's a few things that are like going to be released this month that I'm looking forward to, but um, yeah, I feel like I've got to that point where I've watched a lot of things. Um, reading or any exciting life news to share? <laughs> <laughs> no, you said that like, like I was pregnant. Like, okay. <laughs> Have yeah. you got anything you want to tell us? <laughs> um, no, and I'm still not re I'm going to get back on the reading train, um, I think, this week, really. Um, I've got another Top of the Town launch coming on Thursday, which is exciting. And once that's kind of over... I'm going to get back on reading because it's making me really sad that it's fallen to the wayside. Have you been reading anything? Not really. I started Rebecca, which I think I might have mentioned in the last episode, which is embarrassing because it's <laughs> but that goes to show you <laughs> how well my reading list is going down at the minute. I just can't, can't switch off, it seems to be. I just can't get in that reading space. But um, I was going to ask, actually, which I think would be like a nice note to end on, what um, is going to see you through to the rest of the year like what are you going to focus on in this lockdown have you got anything you want to achieve or any little rituals that are helping you or I don't know anything you want to learn or <laughs> yeah, like discover within myself I did have one the other day I, did, I was thinking I was like oh that would be a really great project for this lockdown um but it's why has it escaped me I don't know um do you know what I've been really really thankful for top of the town it's been mm. um one of those little label labor of loves um selling vintage clothes that has just added a bit of normality into lockdown um and it's obviously a constant project because it's it's all year round um but it's funny because looking back on the lot last lockdown it was very much a case of right I can't do it that's it it just it, I can't see how it could work mm. and this time around there's it's not been the case at all um and yeah it's kind of just it's work that I'm loving to, I mean, I, I, I love my job irregardless, but it, it does help move the day along a bit. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. How about you? Um, I mean, I don't really have a big passion project at the minute. I mean, there are little things that I want to do, but I've mainly sort of like in my head for my own mental well-being. <laughs> I've sort of said that's something I did I did kind I do kind of want to work on and I am working on I'm gonna sort of focus on that in the springtime and when things get a bit lighter yeah. I think the main thing I'm trying to do in this lockdown is just to be less hard on myself and just um celebrate the little wins and you know just just getting up and getting dressed at this point is like a superpower isn't it and um you know people are suffering with the the shorter days and like the it's going dark so soon now I mean sometimes it barely gets light in Manchester <laughs> yeah, I 
now, like today, for example, it's pretty grey outside. It doesn't really feel like daytime. Mm. And I feel so sorry for those who are working in um, an office environment or, or any, well, any environment where they're having to go to work in this lockdown because you're getting up and it's dark and you're getting home and it's dark. And I can't imagine the toll that must be taking on a lot of people's mental health. So I think you're, I, th- I completely understand what you're saying about we need to take you need to take the little wins where you can yeah 100 percent, and just not learning not to beat yourself up over things that you're not doing or you don't have the energy for and just focusing on what you do have the energy for i think um yeah it's, it's just it's just been a crazy year hasn't it like we, we just all need to be gentle with ourselves and um i think it is easy to just hibernate at this point and i think i'm just sort of like you know need to keep reminding myself to check in with people check in with those around me and because it is I can easily get into that sort of mindset where I just sort of close myself off a bit and I'm like oh I'm just going to hibernate in this little bubble yeah but yeah it is more important than ever isn't it just to just reach out to people and be mindful of those around us as well yeah completely um hopefully in the next episode we'll have we'll have more suggestions of tv series and books and films and we'll just have a lot more to contribute I feel like this episode has been very much us kind of talking about the new lockdown and feeling a bit in a funk with it all so I hope you'll excuse us that we've not got a whole selection of great material to suggest to you guys yeah I think a lot's happened hasn't it since we recorded the last one and this seems to be a pattern with us we just don't have any luck doing a lot's happened and I think um our brains are a little bit fried I think there's just a lot to process isn't there but I think that's most people this year um and hopefully this acts as like a little a little thing to keep you company um someone messaged me the other day saying that they were doing their daily exercise and um listening to us at the same time which sounds like a horrific duo to me but it was very, very people I, I feel like we're not motivating at all. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say good for you, but that sounds really patronising. But I actually genuinely mean it because mm. I don't think I left the house yesterday at no, all. I can't Are work you? out the podcasts. I mean, <laughs> like I can work out to anything, but I can't work out to podcasts. I need like music of some kind. Like a rhythm. Yeah, a rhythm. But thank you. This sounds like we're just... <laughs> It sounds like we're just questioning, questioning it. But no, it's very, very sweet. And um, thank you to everyone that's um, tuned into the second series, uh, despite the huge break. Um, we're going to be more consistent um, from now till the end of the year. And hopefully we'll um, have a nice little festive episode um, at the end of the year for you as well. Yes. Right. So we'll wrap it up there then. And I guess we'll see you guys in another week. Or you'll hear us in another week even. Yeah, you don't want to see us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye.